Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Streaming services are on the rise, and brick-and-mortar video stores are a thing of the past. We have lost that experience of wandering the aisles and stumbling upon a film we've never heard of. We have replaced the familiar face behind the video store counter with an algorithm to recommend films. With more and more content available, it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home. This month on Trailer Rewind, we are looking at a film and its remake. In today's episode, we're going to discuss 2018's American remake of The Kindergarten Teacher from American filmmaker Sarah Colangelo. So tell me about you. What, what, do, what do you do? I teach kindergarten. That's such a delicate thing, right? You give the kids something and then they, yeah, they have it forever. 
The sun hits her yellow house. It's almost like a sign from God. Was that a poem? Right, that was a poem. The sun hits her yellow house. It is almost like a sign from God. Wow. With so few elements, he makes something very, very complex. I think we have a young Mozart. If you stay curious, then you can see the world however you want. Like a cat. Today is April 15th, and The Kindergarten Teacher is available on Netflix. JJ, do you know why you can only find it on Netflix? No, why is that? Well, this is what happened. It was out there and up for distribution, and Netflix picked it up. So this is what is classified as oh. a Netflix original. So it was released in the U.S. On, I didn't know that. Didn't play in theaters. Was straight to Netflix on October 12, 2018. Huh. It did hit theaters internationally starting October 19th, 2018 in Turkey, and then various dates and countries through April 2019. It was out there in theaters and uh, made about half a million dollars in theatrical release in all the countries except for U.S. We don't have any sort of uh, tracking on how much Netflix pays for a movie when they do something like that, do we? No, I think okay. Andy Andy might have access to like whatever inside sure. you know databases where they track some of that stuff. You know, for industry yeah. people, you might be able to find what the acquisition price was for that. But this is one of these rare cases of didn't have a theatrical release straight to Netflix. And yeah. for me, this is one that. Um, you know, they they classify it as Netflix original. And for a while, I didn't understand what that meant because I know that Netflix was getting into sort of creating original content when they have shows like Stranger Things and stuff that they're, you know, Orange is the New right. Black, stuff that they're producing themselves. Clearly, that's a Netflix original. But stuff that is independently produced out there and then gets distributed through Netflix, they still brand as Netflix original. So it wasn't like Nef yeah. Netflix didn't develop this, you know, produce any of this. They basically went out there, found it, bought it, but it's exclusive. So for me, I would say it's a Netflix exclusive, but they, they just sort of had that umbrella term of Netflix originals. You can only find yeah. it there. So Everything's under that umbrella for them, sure. Yes, exactly. So this is the first time on Trailer Rewind when we've done a movie and its remake. So yeah. we're going to discuss this version on its own merits up front. At the end of the episode, we'll get a little bit more in depth on the comparison between the two. So for everybody listening, uh, if you want to get to that comparison piece, that's going to be towards the, the end of the episode. But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it as a standalone on its own and its its merits of a film by itself first. That's going to be tough to do. It is. We can do it, but it's going to be tough to like hold them separate. Right. It'll, it'll yeah. be woven through there a little bit, but we'll get to a more sort of explicit, let's compare point-to-point -point pieces. Anything we're going to talk about now, there may be some slight allusions or references to, but the side-by-side -side yeah. comparison will, will come later. So okay. as, as a film unto itself, The Kindergarten Teacher 2018 with Maggie, is it Mag yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal, how do you classify this film? Because it's it's it, you know it has that it has that independent feel to it. For me, when you when you label or title a film, you know, with a character descriptor yeah. like that of the kindergarten teacher, for me, it's okay. We're gonna have a story about the kindergarten teacher. This is her story, her arc, her journey to this. And when you cast a recognizable face like this, uh, who's you know just demonstrated, she's got the ability to carry a film, I'm I'm going to come into sure. saying this for me is a character study of this woman and what's going on during this period in her life. And we're going to delve into who, who she is. Yes. And that's, you know, I know we're going to try to talk about this one yeah. separately, but this, that, that is something that definitely immediately stands out as different from what we see in the original, that this really is the story of Lisa. Yes, it's Lisa's story and and what Lisa's going through in a way that you didn't necessarily get in the Israeli version. Right, and this is one of these things when I think, you know, how does a movie get greenlit or why does it get made? This is we've got a, you know, an an actor and a role that's going to get matched together, and it's like, is 
who else could play this part? This is a good fit for her. This is what's going to get this movie made with with her name recognition and all of this. People will show up to this movie because they're like, oh, okay, yes, I, I recognize this actress. And, oh, yeah, I've enjoyed other things before. I will show up to see a movie with her in it. And for me, that's, I think, the strength of this. And that may be why the shift in focus on this of if, if people are going to show up for a Maggie Gyllenhaal film – they want to see her. They want to know something about her. And we've got to give her a performance to to dig into. And I think she, this is a role for her. I don't, I don't know who else I would, you know, this isn't, I couldn't imagine like a Reese Witherspoon in something like this. This has some sort of that indie grittiness to it. You know, some of the. Sure. I think she's a perfect cast for it. I, I have some other people that I would put there too, but I love Maggie Gyllenhaal. So I'm really happy with what she did here. Who else would you put in this? Who would ah, you no, like? Jennifer Connelly. Oh, okay. Okay. Something right. like that, but I mean, I, but I'm not saying that. I, yeah, I, I think yeah. you're right. This is it's a great movie for Maggie Gyllenhaal because it's got some of that, like I said, the grittiness and the darkness to it. Yeah, that that I think again, you know, this was a trailer, you know, that we discussed on Saturday matinee, and this again, there's there's something about it that it's it's going to delve into some darkness uh, into this when you've got a, a teacher and a, and a child that's not hers and what's the nature of this relationship and what's she doing and why is she doing it. And, and for me, this is a film to, that's going to appeal to people that enjoy a, a character piece. You know, yeah. we, we can c- talk about plot and what goes on, but to me, the strength of this really, the film is tracking this character and the journey and the performance through this is, is what's going to be rewarding for people that enjoy that type of film. Right. And now, the other thing about it is that it's a, it, it's not a redeeming character piece. No, that's something we should say too. It's not a, it's not a story about someone who goes into the fire and and comes out. It's, it's, uh, it is a tragic character piece. It's, it's an unraveling of a character. That so she, so she goes into the fire, and gets burned, or <laughs> is is burning, or is you, get to, you get to watch a woman burn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Our metaphor is getting a lot of control here, but yes, because that doesn't actually happen. But the yeah no, but it's the point is yeah it's um it's intense and it intensifies through the course of the film as well. So, is this a type of film? Is well, as I recall from the last episode, you saw this trailer yeah. and said, "Oh, this is not a movie for me." So yeah. did did that. Did your opinion change on this one? I mean, knowing you're you're a fan of this actress, and you know, yeah, was this I, something I'm you happy to watch her in pretty much anything? I will okay. say. That being said, it it was filled with parts that felt really unsettling for me. Okay, and I, if anything, brought me back to this. You know, looking at what we saw in the 2014 version, mm-hmm. there was so much art, and it was so well done that I that I made a lot of apologies for this movie in it because I got the concept. I think I I don't know I can't figure out in my brain whether or not I would have liked this movie less without seeing that or or liked it more without seeing it because it in general has a different tone even though the concepts and so much of it is very similar and so it's 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 difficult to to feel my way around that i'm happy that i watched them both i think i would have been less happy with just watching this version yeah i found myself in a similar position with this because it's it's challenging to watch this one having seen you know the the original and then in my mind particularly watching them you know within days of each other and not being able to constantly like sort of track and compare you know to each other yeah. it's sort of like uh just earlier this spring i saw a uh, saw the the new film emma so as i'm walking oh. as i'm going through that movie sure. i'm like oh okay th- this this is the scene in the ninety whatever ninety six version with with Emma Thompson or uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow or oh this is that scene from Clueless I've always like because I know this story and I'm like oh these are the parallels oh this is that character this is what's that's how they're playing this scene here oh okay yeah. I like it better than or oh it doesn't quite live up to that moment and constantly to have have yeah. those constant comparisons so that was a struggle with this one because I knew where things were going so the emotional journey I was maybe numbed to it a little bit because I couldn't sure. totally take off the analytical hat. So it's a bit of a challenge to say, how would, how did I enjoy this film on its own? Um, but I can try to step aside a little bit and say, I, I think the performance, her piece in this, I think, you know, the way this was delivered, it works for, for me. It's 
because it's a, a different type of film, it's not a genre category that I click with as much as something that's a little bit more poetic and abstract. And anybody that's been listening to the show or on, you know, Discord knows I'm a huge Terrence Malick fan. So I'm going to go towards that. That's, that's where my heart yeah. lies. This one's more straightforward. I still enjoy it. It yes. just doesn't touch my heart as much, but still enjoyable. And I think well worth seeing for, you know, Maggie's performance. And it's not one that I would say, oh, you you have to watch the other one first or, or vice versa. I think either one you can you can approach first, um, just knowing that it's going to color probably your opinion of, of the other. But this is definitely one that I would, you know, recommend, you know, particularly it's on Netflix. You're looking for something that's a strong character piece. Definitely, you know, put this one on. I think you're probably going to enjoy it if, if you like a, a darker story. Yeah. 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 I think one of the things that I would say is that, um, you know, we're going to talk about this, the execution of this mm-hmm. as we go through it. And I think that one of the key things is that while they are both centered on the same idea, this one is much more about the execution of the idea. And the original is much more about exploring the idea. Right. Um, and so when I talk about who I would recommend it to, I would, I would, recommend this one only if you're a massive Maggie Gyllenhaal fan, which I am, but outside of that too, if you, if you dislike, or I mean, there's a fair amount of people we've learned as a result of the parasite choice last year that really just dislike or don't want to watch foreign films. Right. If you don't want to watch, uh, subtitles, then just watch this one Yeah, because you're going to get the concept and it's going to be very Americanized. However, if you, if you're w- trying to figure out which one to watch, I would suggest the other one first, because I think there's more to the idea in the other one. And this one is very focused on a Hollywooded setup of the execution of that idea. Okay. So where did this one end up on, on your flick chart? Well, clearly it's lower. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's yeah. what we're talking about here. And again, I don't know whether or not it's because of, of the order in which I watch them, but this one is 145 out of 232. So this one is in the bottom half. Okay. It's above Kingsman, the golden circle, Okay, which I think is, I, I, I probably, I would, I would, I would like to f- argue with anyone who says differently about that, but, and then below Free Fire, which is okay. another trailer rewind movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I don't really have problems with Free Fire. I think Free Fire is a great idea executed really well in a great mm. independent way. This is an independent movie as well, too, but I think it may have been hindered for me in the fact that I watched the original first. Okay. How about you? Yeah, as, as similar feelings. It ended up lower. <laughs> Interestingly enough, ended just below, uh, so it's at number 267, just below one of our very recent trailer rewinds, Wild Rose. Oh wow! Yes, and then that's interesting. And then just recency, ab- yeah. And then just above um, the, I don't, know, I don't. This is one of these movies that everybody says was a bomb, but there's been debate about it. Of Disney's uh, John Carter, John Carter of Mars oh, movie, I seen it. which is okay. it's a fun thing, but it it, it 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 suffered from lots of things. It, but so it's it's lower, but you know, again, putting it right near Wild Rose, it's one that I say is a good, enjoyable film, just not one that I I'm going to connect with as well. But I think. Many people will, and it's a, a really well put together film. Um, yeah, and I have difficulty figuring yeah. out if I like it or not. Yes, because of the fact that I watch these two movies side by side. Right, I'm giving it three stars, so better than half. But yes. I'm somewhere in between like and dislike. I think if I would have watched it independently of the other one, I would have maybe. <laughs> I don't know if it would have been so dark that I would have disliked it. It's right <laughs> in the middle for me. Yeah, um, it's worth a watch. I'll say yeah. that. And outside of that, I can't give it a heart or a no heart. So I'm right there with you at three stars. And over on Letterboxd, so it has a weighted average review of 3.46. So just okay. you know, which but is that's more. That's that's, that's more that's higher. That's than higher than the foreign one. Right. Well, this is based on twelve thousand seven hundred and forty seven reviews. So twelve thousand more reviews. The reach of Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and over on Flix chart, again, probably not a, like I said, I think their main focus over there people looking at big tent pole films something flick chart's been ranked by 74 people but okay two of those have it in their top 20 so there are two people that really really enjoyed this movie so yeah less than highlight 
<laughs> that's right. They had four, four in the top twenty. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Sorry, that's that's my new like standard for independent and small movies. Small movies, do you it have has four? four. <laughs> it, it's it's comparable to High Life. It has more or less, you know, that sort of thing. So, listeners, if you think this is your kind of film, if you're a big Mag- Maggie Gyllenhaal fan and you don't want anything spoiled and you haven't listened to the other episode because you don't really have an interest in foreign films, this is your chance to pause the podcast and check out The Kindergarten Teacher over on Netflix. So, JJ, as I said, before we start getting into comparisons, I, I want to talk about this one on its own. And I-, and I think we both agree it's trying to accomplish something different so yeah first uh, first off different look to this one because the cinematography is i mean we raved about what you know (laughs) previous one looked like this one okay we got more traditional way of shooting the film uh yeah stories and pretty much comparable to that there's a a few changes right well i do want to say there's a couple great shots in this too that had me thinking about the original but okay you get into this uh, we talked on the last show about rules that, right. That, the, that, that it felt like you could you could set aside the rules when you were doing it. This one really felt like it was kind of following the rules, and th- and also then we got um, of that very Americanized um, shaky cam. The oh yeah. Cam, where yeah. it's like, and that I just in general I don't like it, and especially in um, drama where it's using a shaky cam for uh, like a two shot of a conversation. I just, it happens. People do it. I, I get that it's out there and it's meant, usually meant to show something gritty. I just felt like it was out of place in this movie. So anyway, okay. keep going though. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I was going to say is this is, you know, very much an American movie and the way it, yeah. it's shot, the way, you know, focusing on this teacher, we've got the similar story. Lisa's a kindergarten teacher. We've got, you know, our opening sequence in this one is her in her classroom. And so for me, that tells us right from the start, this is a yeah, story about, about her. It's about her story. Mm-hmm. She gets, starts the day setting up her classroom. Uh, we, we get a sequence of her going to her poetry class and, you know, sharing her poem and then having a conversation with her husband afterwards that, you know, maybe they just didn't get it. And her husband seems very supportive of, you know, this asking about her poetry and, and all that. So, yeah. that. so there's, you know, a lot of interaction with her husband. And that's that's the thing that really stuck out to me in this version is that focuses, and I, I again, trying to avoid a lot of comparisons, but this scene I want to talk about because it focuses more on Lisa and her family, and it gives us some more insight into her because we have interactions with her kids yeah. and, and lots of talk about her, sort of her dreams, her hopes, her aspirations. So the, the, you know, one scene is she comes home and she finds her son and daughter basically hosting like a pool party. They're out in the backyard, the pool or whatever. Her daughter is off to the side with an I think like an older older boy, I'm assuming. Who, sure. Who's he smoked, looked older, yeah. Yeah, so they're off on the side and they're, you know, smoking a joint. Danny, what are you doing? What's the big deal? It's been decriminalized. Can I have it? You, know, you and Dad always act like artsy, progressive hippies. Okay. okay, you know what? Smoke it if you want to. Maybe it'll open you up. You. What's going on? Could have such an incredible mind. Incredible mind? What's up with you? You're acting so weird. I just we wish. got all our work I done. wish there was a little bit more curiosity, vibrancy, intellectualism in this house. You know, ever since you started taking those dumbass poetry classes, you've been acting like you're the cultural ambassador to the UN or something. Okay, if you want to go back to college and get your stupid degree, then you can go ahead. Okay, I actually get straight A's without having to work very hard. And you never acknowledge that. You worked your ass off and look where you are. And so what, what I get from this clip, though, is the sense that Lisa wants more for herself and her family than, than they desire for themselves. Because she, you know, tells her daughter, like, you have this great brain, you know, and all of this. And she, she desires this potential in her kids who just seem content to, like, get by. Her son's like, look, yeah, mom, we, we did every, you know, we're finished. We did great on this. We just need to unwind and relax. And... That is very much different from this connection she has with Jimmy, who has like poetry in her soul, and she wants to have these intellectual conversations, but her kids don't want that. They're like, you know, on Instagram and just hanging out and relaxing like your typical American teens, right? 
being kids. Kids yeah. being kids. And she wants something more. And so the, to me, this is where we start to get more of, of Lisa as the teacher of what is her connection to this little poet in her class is this like spirituality or something to it that she doesn't have or doesn't see in her kids. And that was something that to me is sort of a key insight into what's going on with Lisa. I, I get a sense of her motives of why she's connecting with Jimmy and his poetry that she's hearing him speak in her class of, I've got this aspiration for something of, I want to be a poet and my kids don't want to have conversations about this type of stuff. Her husband is supportive, but again, it's not a lot of deeply engaging discussion. I mean, he's, he's supportive. He'll ask her about it, but they don't have conversations about poetry and art and no. these things that she. some of that is inferred in right. the other movie, but this movie, this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's in this, this is, it's about her situation. And I like that you use the word spirituality. It's, it's Lisa's search for spiritual inspiration. And she finds it in this child. Yes. And so we have her, Jimmy's got these poems, and then there's the nanny who is tasked with sort of helping Lisa capture these poems because Lisa doesn't want to lose these poems, right? She's got, There's this potential, and she starts using them as – or. I guess, yeah, submitting them as her own to her her poetry class because we see the you know reaction and, to her and Lisa's first. Creepy about it too. Lisa, <laughs> Lisa, straight up tells Becca, "This is the nanny. Yeah. Like, do this for me. Like, right. go and get this for me." She doesn't just say, "You know, we're missing poems." She's like, right. "Can you do me a favor and get this?" And then she's like, constantly taking Jimmy out, and even her assistant is starting to notice. Like, yeah, Lisa's a little bit like off. Yes. This is not together throughout the film. And she, we, we talked about it the intro, in the intro about an unraveling. Like, yes. You get the foreboding sense of Lisa's like uh, lack of clarity yeah. very early. And it builds throughout this movie. The boundaries there, there don't, yeah. but don't <laughs> exist because she like takes Jimmy's phone, put, she like shows him, I'm going to put my number in here and I'm going to uh, put it under L, L for Lisa. I'm not going to say my, my name. name. It's just like, oh, yeah. it's the creepiest yeah, oh, thing Oh, yeah, because at first it's like, oh, Mrs. So-and-so, and like, that's too long, so I'm just going to put it under L. And I'm like, this <sighs> is this is weird. This is weird. My that skin she... is crawling, even you recounting it right now. <laughs> because then it's like he yeah. can call her when he has a poem because she can't trust, you know, the nanny and all that. But then she, she calls him, and yeah, as you say, she like, during nap time, she, she'll like take him out to have these these conversations and there's just something about the way it's presented that it's like, yeah, this isn't right. This doesn't oh, with the scene you just good. mentioned with, yeah. the, with the scene yeah. you just listened to. Yeah. She, when she has a breakdown, a fight with her daughter, she goes out on the front porch and calls Jimmy. Yes. Like that's, that's, wow. that's blah, 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 blah. Yeah. How does she, I, how does that, she calm <laughs> herself down? How does she soothe herself? I'm going to call this five-year-old and have a conversation with him. Yeah. There's something <laughs> not <laughs> Not right yeah. there. Okay. Exactly. So she's, you know, she's got the, yeah, she, she gets the uh, sort of like accolades from the, from the new poems she's bringing to class. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because they're told to like write about something ordinary, you know, daily thing. And she comes back with this poem about a bull and a teacher praises her and the class is like, well, wait a second. This isn't even what the assignment was. And, but he's right. like, Oh, but you've got to think outside the box and, you know, all that. And it's clear that he's, you know, got some interest in what she's doing. And he's sort of praising her in front of the class of like, oh, well, she's truly an artist because she didn't just do what I told her to do. And so we get a little bit more of this, like, it's feeding this sort of monster in her of like, I've got these poems and now I'm getting all this attention and praise and it's validating everything she's doing of, I need to continue. It's almost like an addiction of like, how do I get more poems out of this boy? Uh, Right. Because he just... It looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and he's just this, you know, he's five years old. He's a, a... Typical kid, but she's trying, you know, whether it's let's look at the little plants or the scene where she like takes him into the bathroom and is like, let's look at from different points of view. There's something about being in the bathroom as sort of a the space to do that. I thought, why? Creepy. Yeah, because, well, she can't so go out. Of, creepy. She can't go anywhere else in the school because then how do you explain what are you doing with this kid when he should be in class during nap time? 
yeah, there's all kinds of like, I don't know, like cultural taboos here that are just like, no, you don't take a kid alone into the bathroom as an adult. You don't, you don't put yourself in that situation of where no. you're going. And I, I was waiting for like her assistant to be like calling school administrators at the police on her of like, because we see multiple times she's like, where is she? Go- side eye. Where's she, she, yeah, she side eye like, several what times. Is, what are you doing? What's with, happening? What's here? going on yeah. with Jimmy? Right? Oh, right. Yes. So she, she, you know, continues using Jimmy's poetry as her own. The there's the um, invitation to a poetry reading, and so she, you know, decides to use this as the opportunity to, you know, have Jimmy share his poems and all that. And so she does the whole like let's practice all this stuff. She takes him like to the auditorium in the school, you know, give him a sense of like it's not going to be like in class. It's going to be this larger space, and so then. She introduces Jimmy and he recites his poems. And then we get like a typical like poetry reading, like Q&A. And the first one is like this like artistic statement of like, oh, are these your poems? And you're like having him recite him, recite them for you as some type of like for effect, for effect yeah. type of thing. And, you know, which is interesting because it's clearly there's people are intrigued by by what's going on. But things fall apart in a in a different way here because in a super weird way. <laughs> Jimmy reveals because the, the the love poem, the one about Anna, and somebody asks, "Well, who's right. Anna?" and he says, basically, "Oh, it's the assistant in the kindergarten classroom." Uh, right, right. Which is like and then Lisa runs off stage. <laughs> yes, like this and, little boy and broke <laughs> herself in the bathroom and needs to weep. <laughs> this little so boy broke my heart. Mean? I don't know. What, she wanted is that. What they're saying is I, that what the movie's saying? I don't. That it really troubled <sighs> That's me. That's what I took. Yes, it's like he broke her heart because <sighs> his he doesn't love her. He loves you know the the assistant girl. But does she really <laughs> feel that way? I guess. I, I, I mean, I, uh, I mean, she. Yeah. This is the thing is another. <laughs> case of like bad choices of you're you're in i'm assuming this is like new york she's at some like it's got to be bar or poetry club whatever which is like all adults because it's late at night and so jimmy she basically tells jimmy leave and close the door so she's gonna lock herself in the bathroom so she can cry leaving this five-year-old out amongst strangers in a big city although yes in this building but what are you doing, lady? You don't just abandon yeah. a kid. He's, he's not going to be there. So she should know better. He's, he's not going to yeah. be there when you open that bathroom door, right? Would you do this with your kids? No. So she, <laughs> so then she, uh, she does find him. So it's at the, the bar. At the bar. This is the next scene I want to talk the about. Five year olds at the bar. Right. The five year olds at the bar. And this is the conversation, sort of like confrontation she has. Um, with the the poetry teacher. He's incredible, isn't he? I think you should leave the class, Lisa. I'm uncomfortable with the fact that you're presenting work that is not your own. Okay. All artists, they take from each other, but what are you doing? I don't know. It's something different. You're leeching off a child. I'm so sorry that you see it that way. You break the the whole trust that goes into a classroom, the whole ethic. See, what's the point? I I was excited about you, Lisa. Well, this is about him. No, it is very unclear what you're doing. What's clear is that you're not an artist. You're just an art appreciator, a, a dilettante. very different don't you think so you know he calls her out as basically an art appreciator rather than an artist (laughs) okay i was really confused by this scene because they're having this conversation in front of jimmy too Mm -hmm. and it again it's lisa's story so jimmy becomes less of a character in this and more of a tool yes and and that's I just don't feel like I, I, first of all, I don't think the teacher would have that conversation with her right there. I think the whole concept of Jimmy, the five-year-old being at the bar, like they're trying to execute how strange that is by what he says to her, Yeah, but that he's focusing on the art and they're not focusing on the fact of what's really happening here. That, you know, this is, there's something about the real life that's slapping them in the face that they don't acknowledge in the film. And I think that's a mistake. 
Yes. I mean, it, to me, this scene very much felt like it got put here because we need this character piece, this moment for Lisa of she's trying to, you know, as we, you know, from the previous scene with the daughter of like, she wants to live this artsy life. And then the teacher calls her out basically saying, you're not an artist. You appreciate art, but you're you're not an artist. And to me, it was basically... He's saying, look, you're leeching off, Jimmy. You don't have the creative spirit that you think you have. You you won't be this. And it's like pulling the rug out from underneath her of like, this is, you know, her her dark night of the soul moment of, okay, what do I do? Because everything that I, my plan has fallen apart. I was going to be part of the art world and now I'm being kicked out of it is sort of how I, I took this. And it, it, it plays weird because it, the way it's set up, it just, it didn't feel organic, you know, is this is no. what would really happen. But clearly for her character, she had to have this moment of, okay, now what do I do? Because I have to make a decision about- And then about, she takes him home to her house and he sleeps <laughs> at her house. It doesn't, it's tell, like, it's just doesn't a, tell anybody, per, right? Doesn't, doesn't tell, tell her husband, doesn't tell his dad, the, right. Jimmy's dad. Right. Doesn't, like, it's just a parade of- <laughs> mistake and confusion how, like how does it work how is she it, not I, it, arrested at this point right because right well and i mean she does get confronted about it but right like, logically in the story yeah where does she actually bring him home like really? when is that because then the next day at school she gets the call right like, how does he get home oh, well that's what i yeah i wonder that too of yeah so there's there's something missing there of being at the poetry thing then come it's late you know, and as she explains, well, I thought it was too late, so just I'll keep my house. And then, well, because the whole the whole point of the way she was able to get him to the poetry reading was this whole ruse of he was supposed to be at a baseball practice because he also plays True. baseball. Another parent was supposed to pick him up. She told the parent, oh, look, he wasn't feeling well or whatever. He shouldn't do that. It's, okay, great. So she gets this opportunity to, you know have access to him you know that's that's the way she can get there so which was a lie which was I mean, which was a, to make it happen yes exactly so she gets called out on it so it's like just bad decision after bad decision so yeah i couldn't figure out if like she brought him to school the next day or you know took him home and he's not there right so, yeah, yeah there was a sense of so like confusing. time of what what time passes there was a little little confusing to me but it, again it's you know well and the other thing was there was like before the poetry reading there was like she took him out one night to like a like art gallery or something like that yep. so again yep. it's like and there was and there was someone there waiting for him right when she brought him home that night right and i was trying to figure so, out what that was setting up of was it she was being allowed to take him out in the evenings and she thought that would be a way to justify what her plan was with the poetry reading of keeping him out. And then he would, she was going to bring him home, but then she didn't. And yeah, I really struggle with this segment because it's, yeah. it's bad choices she's making. That's going to get her arrested. I don't understand the logic of what her plan is unless I mean, she's really like just lost her grip on reality of, of things. Which here. I think is what yeah. we're supposed to be yeah. led to believe. Yeah. That being said, again, in the execution, there are missing steps. Yeah. So it's tough. It, it, it Because it's told in such a straightforward, because it's executed in such a straightforward way, yeah. it's difficult for us to make, uh, make leaps in the film here when there's gaps in right. how it works. If right. it were told in a more... A loose way, it would be easier for us to yeah. take that leap, but there's it's so confusing, yeah, and dark, yes, yes. And, <laughs> and then she's pack, you know, says goodbye to her husband, you know, in the morning. We see her leave the house with a suitcase, and then she like yep. goes to Jimmy's it. house, follows them to the new school that Jimmy's at, lures him out. Hey, Jimmy, come over here, open this thing, come with me. I've missed you. Then they hop in the car and drive into like upstate New York to a beach resort. They're going to Canada. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. She says, we're going to cross the border and live together for the rest of our lives. That's right. That's right. She's very explicit about it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so that's the plan. And then we're they- are going to live in poetry Shangri-La. <laughs> so they're going to spend some time at the beach. <laughs> and, you know, there they are. And I'm thinking, okay- so this is this is where I struggled with a couple things of 
yeah, why this little resort? So we get to spend time at the beach. Okay, then I still, you know, I guess then they're going to, yeah, just be, you know, exiles. I don't know, on the run forever. But then we get the, you know, after the day at the beach, they're back in the hotel room and, you know, Jimmy takes a shower. She goes to take a shower. He locks her in the room. And then we get the phone call to the police. She helps him she leads talk, capture, talk, yeah. talk through the police of like, this is where we're at. This is the name of the resort. This is our room number. All of these things. And then the police, you know. Well, one thing before you move on yeah, from that. Yeah. That scene in this movie is told from her perspective too. Yes. So she's weeping. We see her face. Right. Yeah. We see her emote through it. We right. see what she's going through in this. Yes, that's true. And that's her... a real key difference yes. here that, you know, I, I don't, I, I know, we're, yeah. we're not quite to comparison yet, yeah. but this lends the story of this is Lisa's story. Yes. And as she says things to him, like the world's going to erase you and all this right. stuff, we really see that she's losing her dream. Here. Yes. Yes. Um, but then again, but then she again leads him, leads him. how to tell the police right. and how to get there and how that she can be captured. Right. Well. Tell hey, them I'm not armed, armed. I'm not armed. All that. Let me out so I can get dressed. The police come in. They take Jimmy away, put him in a police car, shut the door. And he sits there and says, I've got a poem. I've got right. a poem. Right. And then, yes. and then we're done. In the police car. In yes. the police car. The but so he's, he's left still. You know, we're left with he's got a poem that's not going to be heard. You know, the world's going to erase him, all of that. We, you know, and this is what it was an odd way to end it because we've tracked so much with Lisa. So once the police come and get Jimmy, we don't see Lisa's reaction to her arrest, really, or anything, or, or what's going to happen. The consequences for her, her family, all of these things are sort of left just hanging there because we. We then track with Jimmy out through to the end, which... And with Jimmy's last words, right? Lisa has been proven right. Yes. Lisa's been proven right in that who's going to listen to his poetry now because Lisa's gone. Right. Exactly. That it's really a different message. Yes. It's a very different message than what we get in the original. Even though, the, I mean, the idea, and so much of it is the same, the execution makes these movies very different. Right. Yes, and I think that's so. I think we can we need to dig into the comparison of the the two a little bit more explicitly now because it's clear this one is, a, as we said, it's a different story that it's telling. But I think in some ways it's it sort of suffers from the fact that it's trying to be a remake of a film that had a different story to tell, and so it's trying to hit the same main story points, but because the it's about Lisa. We get these extra scenes. Well, what's interesting is this version's shorter by maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. We have more scenes with Lisa and her family, at least for me, meaningful yeah. ones in terms of her character. Because we do have scenes right. in the 2014 one with, with Nira, her husband, her son, who's in the military, and he's being promoted right. in a whole like little celebration of that. And we get the counter. But everything is inferred in the Israeli. Right. right. But we do Everything have... about her family is 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 just is just kind of talked around. In this one you have direct dialogue, right. a direct expression of what Lisa's relationship is to each of the characters in her family, which is just not explored in the Israeli version. Right. Because in the Israeli version, before she, you know, basically abducts the boy, she's Yoav, she, yeah. Yoav, she's got a conversation with her husband. She's like, she asks how their son and daughter are doing because she just has. How are the kids? How are the kids? I you know I haven't seen them because it's clearly not a priority for her. Whereas Lisa, you know, we get multiple scenes with her trying to connect. We've got the you know her son wants to join the the Marines or whatever, and you know clearly she's the you know hippie mom. My kid is not going into the military. All of that. So there's there's more for me meaningful interaction discussion there. Um, because it gives us insight into into her character, but which is why at the end, to then track with Jimmy and not Lisa, since we spent so much time in, in her relationship with those characters, there's no fulfillment to those the story arcs of like, okay, right. how do her son and daughter feel? How does her husband feel about you know about this? Because we we have you know. At least for me, it came off more clearly because both films have a scene where 
the kids are out of the house. Our our kindergarten teacher and her husband are in the midst of having a romantic, intimate moment with each other when the phone rings and the boy has a poem and she basically is like, okay, put it on hold. I got to go write this poem down. In the 2018 version, it, it came off a lot more, I don't know, I don't know if it was just the way it was staged, you know, framed, set up. The You know, she's on the phone, her husband sort of walks up, sees her on the phone, is like, okay, well, she's doing that well, thing. He's angry about yeah. it. In the American version, he's angry about that's it. Right. He he's, makes, they, that's right. He's angry he about it. He actually makes the statement. He says, really? Right. That's Whereas right. Whereas in the Israeli version, that's right. yeah. that there's not any of that. It may be inferred, but there's, yes, there's they the, still have that's their right. connection. That's right. It's just, uh, yeah. It's, it's, everything you mentioned is really important because in the American version, the way that they've set it up, it, their feelings about what is happening, yeah. the daughter, the son, the father— it matters. Right. In the Israeli version, it doesn't matter because the idea is the thing. Right. The idea, you know, we're left with Yoav alone because yeah. that's what the movie's about. Right. And in this movie, it's Lisa and all of her relationships matter and these kind of things. And so for us to be left with Jimmy yeah. seems like a departure from what we've been following throughout the film. Yes. Yes. It, it, I mean, everything... So many of these parallel moments, we've got the, you know, here we've got Lisa finding the uncle that works, you know, as the journalist. And it's like, she goes to meet with him and it plays as like, she's like explaining stuff and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. And then at the end he's like, okay, I got to get back to work. Like, I, whatever, right. he doesn't connect with it. Whereas in the Israeli version, it was, I took him at his word a little bit more when he said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to my brother about this. And he seems more invested. They have conversations about poetry. Right. Whereas here, it was really like, this nut just came into this guy's work to, to <laughs> talk to him about this stuff. And he's like, okay, lady, I got to get back to work. I'm done talking right. to you. It just didn't really... It's really different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That That's yeah. just, you know... and the. So, so my favorite yeah. shot in the American version is at the end after uh, Jimmy allows Lisa to put on her clothes and they're standing there and they 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 mimic this in both movies where the Jimmy then reaches over to Lisa and he he touches her on the leg and he grabs her hand yeah which in is the only time in the American version that that happens right and in the Israeli version they mimic that but they've done it throughout the film so it actually has a meaning there and then the camera drifts up and from what I remember Jimmy's out. Uh, not in the frame, mm-hmm. and you have you have Lisa on the right side of the frame, mm-hmm. framed as the villain, which is appropriate in this scene, and then you have a whole bunch of blank screen on the left side. In the Israeli version, what I remember, and I may be mixing this up in my head because now I'm you know falling in love with the Israeli version as we talk about this, but you have Yoav come over and grab Nira's hand, and then Nira's head is cut off. Oh, yeah. For that entire scene. And you just have her neck down with Yoav. Yeah. As they, in, in both scenes, we're doing the same thing. We're waiting for the police to come. Yeah. But they're framed differently to tell a different story. Yes. And again, I, I am not, I don't dislike the American version. I think that the American version is important. And I think, it, I think a lot of people will like the American version, but that, that simple camera trick there, that camera yeah. framing tells you what's different about these two movies. And for me personally, I like the, the concept of what they're doing in the foreign film so much better than what they're doing in the American film. Yes, and I think that's, I mean, that's the difference of, and that's the, that was the challenge of watching the Israeli one first, because I love it so much. I mean, I, it's not a perfect film, you know, there's, there's issues, but it, it's achieving what it sets out to do. And then the challenge that they had in the remake was to Americanize it, but still maintain some, you know, parallels to the story. And it, it, I think they just put themselves in a corner that it was really hard to work their way out of, of how do we yeah. still do, how do we still track this main story, but make it about this teacher and, and her journey. And that, that's so tough. And it's a case of were they, and I, I don't know again, why did this get made? Was it, Oh, somebody saw that Israeli one and said, this is a really powerful film. Let's Americanize it. Was there, you know, how, because why not just make a movie for with a solid character piece for for Maggie Gyllenhaal to sink her teeth into and just really get into that without having to sort of push your story through the motions of having to jump through these story hoops of well the Israeli film did this so we've got to have this scene and we've got to have this scene and th- 
it just yeah. really hamstrung it in so many ways of it didn't have that strong as strong an emotional resonance for me. Um, but it it well does... now Sarah Colangelo yeah adapted the screenplay. Oh sure, so yeah. She was moved by it, you know, and brought that oh, over. Sure, there were. I mean, you look at the producer line yeah. on the American version. There are like. 45 <laughs> so it is and and maggie's one of them yeah. so it's it's difficult to answer those questions yeah. for it here i think you know i think i think the way you're describing it is accurate i think yeah. they fell in love with the idea they wanted to produce the the idea in their own take which is you know when you put them side by side yeah. it looks americanized um and again it's not a bad movie it's just a no. different movie it's no. a it's a different point and yeah. and it and it's it's fine. It's just when you watch them back to back, you're really going to see that the second one is an homage to the idea, but it's a different execution. Of well, it. and there's also the challenge of the subject of poetry, as, as I mentioned in the prior episode. It's just not as strong a part of American culture. You know, poetry right. is it's a little side hobby thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's no... I, speaking from experience, you can go get your degree in this and you go look for jobs. There's no jobs for like, we need poets. It's just not yeah. out there. It's, it's you know, it's art. It's something that's off to the side and there are people that enjoy that, but it's not connected to mainstream culture that much. Um, so for somebody to say, oh, this is like the next Mozart, it's like, Really? Okay, then make him a musician, <laughs> make him a visual artist, make him a painter, uh, you know, a photographer, something right. that people could say, oh, you could be successful, and, and our society would recognize that. There's, you know, who's the most successful poet in America? Nobody. Who, who is there? No. I, you know, right. <laughs> you know, ask, stop a person on the street, name an American poet from the past hundred years. Some people might know some. So that's the, yeah. that's the other challenge for this of it's, it's, her connection to being artful and all of that is poetry. And that's also, I think, a struggle because is the poetry good or not? I, is it? You know, we, we have to look at the know. scenes. It's, yeah. The, the mystery, <laughs> yeah. the mystery of the way that the poetry is presented in the yeah. Israeli version yeah. makes me, in my ignorance, think that it's really good. Right. The way that the poetry is presented in the American version makes me question whether it's good at all. And that's, that's the, yeah. uh, maybe that's the nature of poetry, right? right. I mean, like, honestly, uh, presentation, execution, all that right. stuff figures into it. You know, when I read Walt Whitman, I don't have the same feeling that everybody right. did in, in its time. Right. But um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, I think it's good. <laughs> Um, I think it's, I think, I think the idea, the concept here is about poetry in general. Right. Um, and I yeah. think, I think you've made some great leaps in terms of metaphor of what they're trying to say. Yeah. But I think you can get there more by watching the foreign film than you can by the American. Yes, film. exactly. And, you know, I, I tried to, to not, as I was watching, analyze like, how are they going to do this scene? How are they going to execute this scene? Uh, you know, there's. She can go to Canada. Okay, does she need a passport for the kid? We didn't have any of that those scenes at all. Of like didn't the, used fo to. the phone call of like, hey, I can need to get a passport because I'm taking this kid to right. to Canada no, or any of that. Just a wild, she was just a crazy, wild, yeah, just driving right. across the border to that. And again, the other difference is it's when in the in that final scene when the police come, it's quiet in the room, and as they take him out, it's because they're like it's like they're out in a ca cabin they're not in like a huge resort with lots of people they're like little you know lake cottages so they take him yeah. take him out and it's still quiet we don't have that contrast between the the, the world of poetry and art and then the loud dance music and you know everybody in the pool and dance and all of that it, it we which was a jarring transition in the Israeli version whereas here it's just okay we're going to take this kid we'll put him in the police car and I, I agree that, yes, you know, Jimmy, you know, his poetry is, you know, no one cares about it. He's going to sit there. His poems are going to be lost. And, and Lisa's right about that. But what's interesting is that at the end of the American version, Jimmy's still a poet, whereas at the end of the Israeli one, as I said in the previous episode, I don't know that, that Yoav is, is a poet anymore because nope. he's been removed from either. that world. And so... 
Can I, I want to do something. Go can ahead. I read the two bylines from IMDb about the two of them right now? Oh, sure. sure. So they're, they, they totally express this difference. Okay. And I, it's really interesting now that we've watched both of them. So in 2014, the kindergarten teacher, this is the Israeli version. A kindergarten teacher discovers in a five-year-old child a prodigious gift for poetry. Amazed and inspired by this young boy, she decides to protect his talent in spite of everyone. Right? All positive yes. sounding, wonderful, yes. this kind of thing. Now here's the American one. A kindergarten teacher in New York becomes obsessed with one of her students whom she believes is a child prodigy. Like right away. Yes. You can tell the difference. And I called out the difference in the camera shot. Yes. In the movie poster, it's the same. The oh, yeah. The teacher's head is cut off with the boy's picture. Yeah. Yoav is in it. And in and she's on the right in it. And in, in, in the American version, Maggie's on the left and both of them are are full well not full frame but they're both seen top to bottom yeah i just think that that's such a key difference and it tells us so much about art and the way you approach this medium i think i mentioned this at the beginning of the show but you should definitely see this version if you really like maggie gyllenhaal because she's wonderful on it she does she she carries it like she does every movie she's in in my opinion um and then also if you know if you don't really like foreign film this it's gonna the concept is here yes but if if you want to go deeply into it, the Israeli film is really solid. It's really yeah. good, and it's and it's a very artfully done piece that everyone should see that is into that sort of thing. Oh yeah, and I, yeah, it depends on what what you're expecting from film. If you want to be, if you want to sit down and and watch a story unfold and and be entertained, even if it is a you know you've got a sort of dark, disturbing you know main character, the American version will will you'll you'll enjoy. If you want something that's gonna you know embrace artfulness and not have easy answers to things and address, you know, more philosophical topics about, I don't, I don't know what, you know, as I said, like this allegory, is it there? Um, and the, just the, the cinematography, uh, that's unconventional that may ask you like, what is going on? Why does it look this way? Yeah. Watch the Israeli version. You're going to, you're going to be challenged a little bit with that one. And it depends you what you want. Yeah. You mentioned on the show about the 2014 version that we've done now three films in 2020 that are all foreign films. I yeah. think this is the best of the three. Aniara, Swedish, um, Wild Rose, yeah. Scottish in this one. Now, I think this, for, in terms of the film medium, this reminds me of why I love foreign films so much. Oh, it's it's yeah. really great. And there's a lot of interesting interpretations you can bring to this if you watch it. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, I agree. I, I, I really enjoyed Aniara, but as I said because of my background in poetry and all this and, and working in education. Oh, perfect fit there's for you. This so much made for you. Yes, exactly. I love this film so much. Um, so it's, yeah. The, I've, Anna is beautiful. Yes. Beautiful enough oh, for me. Yes, yes she is. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that's, yeah. That Again, the for some, I don't know what it is about, and I don't know why they change the poems, you know, and I guess you can change the name. You can change Hagar to, to Anna because, you know, Hagar, what is the, what kid American kids can use that? But the bullfight one, they changed that one, and you yeah. know a little bit. Which and I, I like the American one, and I you know and I can understand the difference between you know culture that you know where where bullfighting was going on, or you'd be able to see those things, and it's not anything that an American audience would be like, why would a why would a kid write about bullfighting, or why would a woman write about bullfighting? It's not why would a five year old write any of these poems? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Come on, that's true. He saw Ferdinand. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he saw a Looney Tunes thing yes, where Bugs Bunny was a matador. Yeah, I don't know the could, answer. Yeah, I don't know either. But yes. but we don't have to try to figure that out. No, it's a movie. We let's don't. let's, let's, let's yes. let us just kind of enjoy yeah. it. Well, this, so this is this is wrapping up our um, sort of the first half of the year for Trailer Rewind. We we knocked out yeah. six films. Uh, you know, three sets of two. So we're gonna take a little bit of a hiatus over the summer and then we'll be back with another set of six films so I've, I've got to take some time to figure out what these pairings are going to be I like the idea of maybe one of them always being a foreign film it wasn't anything intentional yeah. this time around so I've sort of like put us in a when little, possible it, when possible it, it's going to be what are what are some good pairings of films with similar topics or themes maybe another movie and its remake type of thing but again all, the whole purpose is getting you information about films that are out there on streaming services that you may come across so that's really the driving force of we're going to go find some films that are out there readily available on streaming that 
you may wonder, are these good good to watch? Is this for me? And we're hoping to help answer those questions. You know, coming back in the fall with the second set of six for Trailer Rewind Part 2. Thank you for listening to Trailer Rewind. If anything we said here entertained, educated, or even enraged you, we'd like you to tell people about this podcast. Whatever your listening platform is, please share, rate, or write a short review. It helps other podcast listeners find us. If you enjoy connecting with other film fans, you can become a member of our community on Discord. It's free, and there's always an interesting dialogue or debate to jump into. You can also financially support us on Patreon. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive Discord channels, the opportunity to chat with us live before we record an episode, and the warm feeling you get knowing you are contributing support to the behind-the-scenes resources that help everyone here at the Next Real Family of Podcasts. So please, join us on Discord or become a Patreon supporter. Either way, we would love to have you be part of our community. Hondo! I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.